time to go ahead and get started. So just a reminder, I know that you all remember, but um, just a reminder, this class we're doing right now is Fundamentals of the Faith, Week 1. Anybody remember what we talked about Week 1? Authority and religion, all right? And uh, Week 1 we discussed uh, where that authority comes from, who holds all authority in religious matters. We all agree that it comes from God. God holds all the original authority that came down to Jesus and then the Holy Spirit. And now we have the Bible, which is our, um, our uh, total or, or holds all the authority for us as we do. So it was not created uh, by man. It's not man's authority, uh, even though sometimes it feels like maybe man can lean that way a little bit and start to think we have a little authority and when that happens it creates a lot of chaos and confusion and division um, so week one we confirmed all authority and religion comes from God week two last week Clint uh, talked to us about two things anybody remember the old and the new covenant right we looked at the distinction between the two um, God established the first covenant, um, and it was meant to be um, temporary, not meant to be permanent. He removed the first covenant and established a new covenant. Uh, when did the new covenant take effect? I'm going to have to start talking. Right, new covenant took, took effect right when, uh, with Jesus, and um, it's important for us to understand the Old Testament and as uh, uh, even though we're not bound to that uh, original covenant, but it's important for us to understand that so that we can fully appreciate and understand the New Testament. All right, so that's kind of a, a recap of where we've been. We're going to get into week three, or topic three, I guess, uh, and there's going to be the next three weeks are going to be talking about different um, aspects of the church. Uh, and this week we're going to talk about the divine origin of the church. You know, you think about understanding where, what, the, what, an, what the origin is of something. It's real important, even when we just, in our everyday lives, when we think about the origin. Um, what's the first thing that you meet somebody new that you'd kind of like to know about? Them? Where they're from, right? You want to know where they're from, you know, who their family might be, whatever that is. Because sometimes just knowing the origin of something can give you a lot of information about what it is and what you need to know. Um, when you buy products, you know, I have my notes here, when you buy products, you want to know where they're from. You buy food and vegetables, you want to know where those are from. Um, it's just very helpful to understand the origin of anything, especially when it's something as important as the church. So if we look at knowing the origin of the church, that's going to help us to understand it as well. What are the things we need to know about if we want to understand the origin of the church? Where did it come from? When did it start? Who started it? Those are the things that we need to know in order to fully understand uh, the church because, um, you know, not knowing these things uh, can cause a lot of, like we said, even in the, in the authority, but not knowing these things can cause a lot of confusion uh, in, in what, we, what we know as the church. A lot of that confusion will come from lack of knowledge about certain things uh, such as the origin, the nature, and the identity of the church. And then on top of that, when you throw in man-made religion, um, that can cause a lot of confusion 
and not fully understanding the church. And then um, in our notes here, I have um, the assumption that denominationalism is the norm. So we see that today a lot. A lot of people feel like denominationalism is the norm. Well, we're going to try to dispel some of that today. And over the next three lessons, we'll do that as well. All right, so was man responsible for establishing the church? No. That's right. Man wasn't responsible for establishing the church. If man had been responsible for the establishment of the church, what would that make the church? What would the church look like then? It'd be a mess. There'd be confusion, right, which we've already talked about. That it's just It carries that over, but what's the significance of it then? There's not really any significance to it, right? It's just like any other group or, or club or, or anything like that that um, you know, we can be a part of. Uh, so, but since man didn't do it, who did establish the church? God did, right? You guys, I know you know the answers, uh, but God did establish the church uh, and the beginning of the church. And th- that being said, that, may, that lets us know that it's definitely one of the greatest institutions that's ever been created. Um, and it's on us and our foolishness if we go into this without looking at it and giving it its true uh, significance and, um, and do, you know, and make sure that we give it our utmost attention. Knowing that, we have one source, a sole source, for the information and the direction of the church. Where is that now? That's right. The Bible gives us everything we need to know, all we need to know, uh, and anything else uh, that comes to us it's not from the Bible that's not good right so today I want to break down the rest of the class talking about things um, there's six six points I guess we'll make uh, about um, the divine origin of the church one is that the church was purposed it was purposed in the mind of God from eternity another one is that it was pro- prophesied in the Old Testament it was prepared for in the early days of the New Testament, it was promised. Where did we get the promise from? Who gave us the promise of the church being established? Just curious if anybody wants to answer that. I think I heard it. Jesus. Jesus clearly and uh, specifically promised us the church. Who purchased the church? Jesus did as well. Right. And uh, then we're also going to talk about uh, it being established and... Um, when it was established, right? All right. Uh, any scriptures I read today, by the way, I'll put a note here, just, just so you'll know. I'll be taking them from the New International Version. All right, let's get into the church of the Bible was purposed in the mind of God from eternity. All right? The Bible teaches that the church was in accordance with the eternal purpose, which was carried out in Christ our Lord In Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Ephesians 3.10. I'm going to read that real quick. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, his eternal purpose that he accomplished Christ our Lord. So this is an example that the church was um, part of God's plan, as we've said already, from the very beginning or before the beginning of our time. Right? This has been uh, part of God's plan 
uh, all along. Um, it was part of his uh, eternal plan from everlasting. Uh, God, uh, let's see, God planned and purchased for man to have the opportunity to be in Christ uh, from uh, before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1.4, for he chose us to be him, be in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. Anybody have any comments or questions so far about uh, the church being purposed from eternity? Even before we were, before anything else was established here on earth? That's absolutely right. Without that, without the church, without his plan for the church, without his plan for Jesus and his overall plan for our salvation in total, um, we'd just be doomed, right? Um, so it, 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 you're right. It's, you're absolutely right. It's, a, it's 100% part of our salvation, and it was from the beginning of time. He purposed to redeem us. Um, I liked, uh, looked at, um, was it? Look at the First Peter chapter 1. 18 through 20. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Again, that just shows us that this whole plan for the church and uh, that we have uh, was is from eternity with God. Any other questions, comments? He had a plan to save us from the beginning. What that give us, if you think about it? What does that instill in us when we know that this was God's plan from the beginning and that God, everything for God is going gonna, is gonna to work out like he planned it? Comfort, yeah, and provided that way for us. Yeah, that's right. Russell, do you have something? It's just perfect plan, right? It's a perfect plan that. Yep, you're absolutely right. You know, knowing that this is part of the uh, everlasting uh, purpose of God to establish His church, you know, it kind of implies certain things that the church is not or was not, you know, and some of those um, that are in my notes here was this wasn't a a last minute thought or a reaction of any kind that the church was established. It wasn't an addition to his plan down the road. It wasn't um, it wasn't created uh, or established because the Jews rejected God's kingdom um, it wasn't a holdover until Jesus came back. This was the plan from the beginning to be just like it is, just like it was, and just like it became, came to be, right? So that's something that I think is part of our discussion today. That's that's kind of the, the number one or first topic uh, that we want to try to instill when we try to think about the divine origin of the church is that it was the eternal purpose of God uh, from heaven uh, for this church to be exactly the way it is uh, now and for everything to come to pass as it did. Right? Yeah, like Clint said, it gives you the comfort, and that was what I thought of too as well, is it's that comfort, that confidence, just that you know, surety that it's, it's going to be what it's promised to be for us. All we have to do is our part, right? All right, 
let's move on to the second topic real quick. Um, the church was prophesied in the Old Testament, right? We all know that. Anybody have, think of um, a couple of places where the church was prophesied in the Old Testament? Daniel. And Daniel. All right, we'll talk about that in a second. Any other place? Isaiah? Yep, so we'll talk about those two um, real quick. So um, when, did Daniel, when did the prophecy of Daniel, when did we learn about the church in Daniel and the establishment of God's church? All right, what was going on there? Right. That's right. Being. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So in Daniel 2, which you said, verse 44, it says, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to other people. It will crush all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Right? It was, uh, there was no plan for it to ever be uh, ended. But when you think about those four kingdoms that we were just referring to there, we're thinking about the Babylonian Empire, right? And then comes the Persians, and then the Greeks, and then ultimately the Romans. And it's in it's the Roman Empire that I believe he's referring to there. It says, in a time of those kings, um, God will, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be... Uh, that will never be uh, destroyed. So Daniel, Daniel did it when he, uh, Daniel prophesied on it when he uh, interpreted the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. Um, we mentioned Isaiah, right? Uh, he uh, foretold the establishment of God's church when he was, uh, when he wrote and spoke to the people who were turning away from God and they find themselves away from God. Um, but. He also pointed out, he pointed to a better and a brighter day uh, for Israel uh, that was coming. And in pointing to those better days, he prophesied about the church. And does anybody want to read Isaiah 2, verses 2 3 for me? Thanks, Clint. Yeah, so that's pretty clear right there um, that he's talking about the establishment of the church. Right? Um, Anybody have any comments or questions about those two things that we've discussed when it comes to the church not only being purposed from eternity, but it was also prophesied in the Old Testament, and this is just going to lead all the way up to the establishment of the church. But any questions or comments so far about the prophecy? All right, let's move into uh, the church being prepared for in the early days of the New Testament. Um, who was the who was the forerunner for Christ and sent to prepare the way? John the Baptist, right? He was sent to prepare the way. Uh, Matthew um, three two, it says, you know, um, repent and repent for the kingdom of heaven uh, has come near, right? So this is preparing the way. It's not here yet, but it's coming, and they're letting it's. They're making an emphasis on making sure everyone's aware that it's right here in these days. It's coming, right? When Jesus went into his ministry in Matthew 4, uh, says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach. And again, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
when he sent the 12 apostles out. What did he tell them to say? Does anybody know? Matthew 10. It says, Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, proclaim this message. What do we think that message is? The kingdom of heaven has come near. Um, and then he sent the disciples out. And he told them in Luke 10, 9 through 11, Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Right? The way is being prepared. Um, it's being prepared for by Jesus. And uh, it's, it started with John the Baptist through Jesus. And Jesus sent out the apostles and the disciples to let everyone know that the kingdom of heaven is near. Um, the message being preached during the life and ministry of Jesus was preparing for that imminent at-hand coming of that long-awaited kingdom of, of the church. What are your thoughts on the preparation of the church? Did I miss anything? What else can we add to that? Yeah. That's, uh, even though it's here today, people still don't accept the message. Um, and, you know, it, it's frustrating. Imagine how frustrating it was for the apostles and for Jesus and all those disciples who you know, were, were spending time with Jesus and still couldn't get people to accept the message. Um, I know we feel that frustration ourselves a lot of times when we're trying to uh, work with someone or teach someone and then the message is just not uh, received. Um, but do everything we can do. Oh, so you, so they were, yeah, they were they. You think they caused them any hesitation? You know, to to go out and teach, um, and you know, when when I teach or try to teach or try to talk to someone about it, I worry about you know what the reaction is I'm going to get, and sometimes you just got to do it anyway, right? I guess that's what they did. All right, what's next after being prepared for? It was promised. The church of the Bible was promised specifically and clearly by Jesus Christ. Fun fact, which you probably all know. Um, when was the first time we hear the word or see the word uh, church in the Bible? That's right. That's it. I, this is what I have. You know, that's, that's, that's the only place that I could find... Um, where it was spoken specifically, um, the word church, you know, being referred to in the Bible is Matthew 16. Um, and um, I think it's real interesting, you know, what you just made the comment about. Who was the first person to use the word? Jesus himself was the first person to use the word church. I just think that's, that's just fitting, right? That's the way it should be. Peter made the great confession about the deity of Jesus uh, in Matthew 16, 16, when he said, uh, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus followed up shortly after that with what? That's right. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Did he say I will build the church? 
He says, my church. That's it. You know, that, it's because it belongs to him, right? He's not building the church. He's building his church. Uh, so those just little things that, you know, as I read and study, I, I pick up on them now um, that you know, have kind of slipped past me before. But, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, it's a very possessive way of saying it. You know, that's, that's my church. Um, also in that statement that Jesus made when he said, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, what does that imply? It's not temporary. It's not like the other kingdoms uh, that have come before. This is something that's uh, uh, nothing's ever going to destroy it or defeat it. It's uh, that's it. Um, and he would provide the, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, um, you know, and uh, to us. And he it does, you know, in the notes that we have here, it says that uh, you know he's using the the terms church and kingdom interchangeably there. So we just keep that in mind that that's. Uh, what he's doing when he says the kingdom or or the church, but you know, as far as the church being promised to us, that promise came directly from Jesus when he used the word church in Matthew and told Peter that he would uh, he would build his church at that point. Thoughts, comments, um, pretty straightforward, I guess. You're right. There's a proper one. Yeah. You have to be tactful about it. Right. You're right. And, you know, but, you know, when it comes to getting the message out there, you know, we have to know what we're talking about. And, and you know, that's kind of what we're focusing on this, um, this quarter is understanding the basics and the fundamentals of it so that we can be a little bit more prepared with the ammo we need when it comes to going out and talking to people. But you're right. We have to... We have to know, we have to know the audience, and we have to do it with compassion, and we have to do it with love, um, but without compromise. But it, without compromise doesn't mean scare kids, you know, or whatever, whatever it be. It just means that we have to do that with compassion. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, okay, so um, let's see. Also, Jesus made a promise to those living in his day in Mark 9. Does anybody know what that is before I read it? What the promise? Right after this, right after he talked to this, um, uh, to, P- uh, to Peter, you know, saying he established that. Where, um, oh, one other thing I want to mention, too. Let's back up for just a second. Sorry. Um, what he's saying here, these comments that he makes to Peter, that where he says on this rock, I will build my church. Um, that right there just implies that it's still in the future. It hasn't yet come, um, and it would be built by Jesus, um, and not by and not by man. And it wouldn't. It would not be a temporary institution, as we've mentioned uh, before. So uh, we will kind of make a note of that again here in a minute when it transitions to the present. Um, but again. Because he was telling people, and I just ask you, you know, he made a promise to those people living in his day. Um, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste the death, who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. That's Mark 9, 1. Um, so he's letting them know that, you know, again, it is here. It is at hand. It's, it's, it's about time uh, for the church. It's not here yet. But it's coming, and it's been prepared for, and this is what it is. You know, he's making that promise to them. Um, it wasn't something that was going to be coming 
um, hundreds or thousands of years from now, it's something uh, that was going to be coming in that generation. The generation would see, as it says in 9-1, would see the kingdom of God present with power. And Jesus promised the apostles, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That's Luke 24. So you put these you put these verses together, you kind of get a, uh, an idea or a visual of what's coming here. Uh, when you look at it, so you see, you have the you have the kingdoms present. It's with power from on high, and then the Holy Spirit comes, and then the apostles, and in Jerusalem. So keep that in mind, because in a minute we'll look at that again. Um, but as far as the church being promised, any comments or questions? So far, we've looked at it. It was uh, it was purposed for us from God from eternity. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. It was prepared for in the days of the New Testament. It was promised by Jesus Christ. And now we're going to move into um, it being purchased. And again, who did we say purchased the church? Jesus. Jesus purchased the church. All right. Comments, questions? Christ did not merely make promises and set events on a course to ensure the establishment of the church, but he took matters into his own hands to guarantee it. We all know what that is. And the, uh, Acts 20, 28 says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. That's how he made it happen um, and made that personal investment in the church when he purchased it with his own blood. Um, the, the blood of Christ is necessary to redeem the lost from the power of Satan and sin. And that's still the case today. It continues to be necessary for all of us, right? Without that, we'd still be—I mean, we'd be—we'd be doomed because um, we need that to cleanse us from our sins. He loved the church so much that he gave himself for her, Ephesians 5:25. And no order, no ordinary man could could establish the church this way, right? Only what? Only a deity could do that. Only someone like Jesus. Um, what are your thoughts on knowing that Jesus is who purchased the church? Let's, let's have a th- somebody's thoughts on that. So that was obviously still part of the plan from the beginning, right? Because the whole thing was planned. Comments? Yeah, when you think about, you're right, Jeremy, when you think about the, the price that he had to pay for it, um, we're not asked to pay that. You know, anywhere near that, we're asked to maybe change our lives, uh, change the way we live, change the people we associate with, just do different things that may seem hard here, but they're nothing compared to what Jesus had to go through to purchase the church. Uh, you know, he did the hard work. We just gotta, we just gotta do what he asked us to do from this point. Yeah, and you know what? I'm. This is something that I'm personally guilty about. Um, you know, when you're t- when you're speaking with someone or you're talking with someone, you're right. It's t- hard to get over that hump with them because if they have to realize that they have to give something up. But I've found it in myself um, after you know eventually paying attention to it. Um, I may go ahead and in my head assign those challenges and hurdles to someone, 
and not even consciously think about it, but decide if I'm going to make the effort because I know it's going to be such a hard thing to overcome for them. And I'm trying to, as I, as I go on, to, um, to not let that happen. But there are some things that I'm just like, ah, I don't have the answers to that to give somebody. And I don't know what, it, you know, I don't know what to say in a certain situation. So I may go ahead and say, mm, I'm going to pick an easier person to talk to. And that's a fault of mine. Um, I'm trying to do better. Uh, but I think we have to be careful that um, we just show them what the truth is and allow that to, to be how it goes and not necessarily uh, how we think it'll go. Any other comments? Yeah, so if... Uh, you're right. If, if, if we ourselves can admit our own faults for um, to others, especially as we're letting them know that you know, nobody in the church is, is perfect. That's just not who we are. Um, but um, Jesus died for all of us, even in spite of our imperfections and our faults, um, and let them know that they're, they're as, as accepted as we are. Yeah, that's a good point. Anything else? Um, let's see. Um, the church is established. When do we say the church became established? The day of Pentecost in Acts 2, right? Um, Acts 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were gathered in one place. That's, that's the when, right? That's when it was established. What about the where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. It was established in Jerusalem. If you, uh, 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 let's see, uh, it tells them, let's see if I can find where my notes are on that, maybe. But they were told just to, to, to tarry in Jerusalem, right? Um, until the Spirit. That's right. So that's where. So when? It was on the day of Pentecost. Where? It was in Jerusalem. Who's there? Who is it that it says, um, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered in one place. Who's they? The apostles, right? Uh, it lets us know that because if you look back in Acts 1, verse 26, it says they were casting lots, and a lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. So that's the, that's the day. Who came? The Holy Spirit, right? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Right. So you have, we have the we have the when Acts two, which is the day, it talks about the day of Pentecost. That's when it was established. Where it was established, it was established in Jerusalem. Who was there? The apostles were there. Who came to see them? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on them then. And where did the Holy Spirit come from? Yes, right. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house they were sitting in. And then what powers did the Holy Spirit give them? In this, uh, in Acts 2.4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Even, right? That's right. So now we know that it was established on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit came from heaven on the uh, apostles, and that's when the church was established. And if you look at that earlier, we talked about the plan where we said that uh, when we summarized those verses, verses as of the promise, 
Um, it was the kingdom was present with power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes on the apostles in Jerusalem. And if you look at this in the same thing, you think of it this way. Summary of the Acts of the events in, the, in Acts chapter 2 was they were in Jerusalem. It was, the, it was in Jerusalem on the apostles when the Holy Spirit came from on high with power and the kingdom became present. So it's just a, it's like a reverse. It was uh, planned. So the last verse of Acts 2 confirms the establishment of the church on that day. Uh, in uh, verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 47, it says, and the, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is the point at which, you know, everything prior to this, anytime the church was spoken about up to this point, it was to come. It was not here yet. From this point on, it's present reality for them. It's in existence, right? And it was viewed as the beginning um, and that Jesus had foretold of the events that would be in the beginning. That's uh, Luke 20, 24, verse 47. Also, and it talks about the beginning of the church in Acts 2, 40 through 47, if you want to take a look at that. But again, before Acts 2, the church was spoken of as being in the future, and after Acts 2, it was spoken of as being in existence. So that's when we know that it was uh, established. So, looking back on all this that we talked about today, we know that um, the church was um, purposed, right, from when? Eternity, right, from God. It was prophesied in the Old Testament, this is all part of the origin of the church. It was prepared for in the early days of the New Testament. It was promised specifically to us by Jesus Christ, and it was purchased by Jesus. And then also it was established on the day of Pentecost, and we read about that in Acts 2. And from then on, the church is in existence. Um, you just got to remember that uh, the, the church is not of uh, the church of the Bible is not of human origin. It's, uh, it's only of divine origin. And really, that's all we need to know. Uh, that that kind of tells us all we need to know about the church and its significance and its importance and its authority that it has over us is that it is from God and not, and not by man. Um, and it should have our full attention at all times. Um, so that, that covers pretty much all of the distinct, I mean, the, uh, the origin, divine origin of the church for this class period. Uh, appreciate the class next week. Clint will be talking to us about the distinct nature of the church. So thank you all for a good class, and Merry Christmas Eve. <laughs>